Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our King. Lord, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, will do the work in this meeting that only he can do. Lord, we need to hear from you. We want to learn more about you. Lord, take us on another spiritual adventure. Help us, Father God, to discern your way and to be motivated by your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, it's a joy to be with you again. And um, we're going to be looking at part two of developing a healing ministry. What I wanted to do really was just to remind you of some of the poignant points from yesterday. I think the key one, and I've put the um, sentence really on the screen, we have to accept that when we partake in the divine nature, this nature becomes the standard, okay, and not our experience. It's not easy to ignore experience um, because there are times when used positively our experience can be a catalyst for us growing in our faith and in our understanding of how the anointing works, particularly in the area of healing. However, when our experience becomes the datum point when it becomes the thing by which we define whether, as I said yesterday, whether God is good, whether he's bad, whether he's strong, whether he's weak, we have to be careful. So as much as experience is personal to you, the word of God, the, the, the ministry of Jesus remains the gold standard. And when we partake in his nature, his nature becomes the standard. So... We continually have to go back to the word and say, God, you know, help me to grow up. Challenge me through the word. I might be motivated by my personal experience, but challenge me by your word. Amen. Amen. So we also said yesterday that we need to be convinced. We need to believe that leading someone to salvation is just as easy as bringing healing to the sick. Okay. Same Holy Spirit, same anointing, (laughs) same desire to see men and women reconciled to God. And the third thing that I emphasized was the need for us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the area of healing. We had a tremendous session today um, from Reverend Tim and just that that desire but the need for cooperation and how in our cooperating with God how it stretches us how it can often challenge our rationale okay so cooperation is really really key and to be reminded of how Jesus approached sickness with confidence you know one of the things about um sickness is that when it's named um, there is there's a lot of semantics around it you know someone hears cancer and they automatically hear death or they hear asthma they automatically think that and it's really important that you mentally 
are aware that your flesh will want to succumb to those kind of um, intimidatory feelings. But it's to know that Jesus approached all kinds of sickness. I mean, it's pretty tough going to someone's graveside and knowing that they're dead, but being totally confident that the Father has already ordained for Lazarus to be raised, okay? So it's being able to approach it with confidence. Um, and to be, you know, I, I'll just add to that, to be ready for the challenge. You know, there are, there are realms, and, and, and let me just say this, I've made some things, uh, just some uh, headlines here on the uh, flip chart. When we talk about healing, it's imperative that we understand the realm in which healing starts. Okay? I'll say this again. It is imperative for you to know the realm in which healing starts. The key or one of the insights we have into this whole idea of realm is when Jesus said that the work that he did on earth is what he saw his father doing. It's an incredible statement to make. What he was suggesting to us is that when you go to carry out a work on earth, there is a sense that the father has already done it. There's a sense that the Father is already participating in this miracle. I first learned this um, when I used to do a lot of meetings, you know, sort of 15, 20 years ago, in fact, longer. And I used to do a lot of meetings across southern uh, England and, and particularly parts of London. And when I would be praying, before I would get to the meeting, I would almost get a sense of what was going to happen in the meeting. Now, um, you know, in... in French, they call it déjà vu, you know, that something has happened before. But in the spiritual realm, it's just that knowing. So it's not arrogance, but it's almost as if you go into a situation with this conviction, it's done. Jesus didn't approach the grave of Lazarus with this sense of, I wonder if. Because in the realm of God, in the realm of the spirit, it's done. So it's important that when we think about healing and we think about breakthrough, that we are tapping into a realm where God is totally in control. He has complete omnisci omniscience. In other words, he knows the past, the present and the future. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. But if you try to approach sickness from the realm of the flesh or the natural realm, you'll be intimidated. You'll feel fear. You've been wondering how the person looks, how they might respond. But it's that realm where you know it's done. Okay? There's a reason why, um, when you read some of the writings of Ezekiel, that the Lord encouraged him not to be swayed by their faces. And that sounds so simple, but let me give you an example. Um, I, I remember... Um, some years ago when I was doing some sessional teaching, um, the Lord really laid on my heart to minister um, to a young man. Now, to be honest, um, in the class, he was quite disruptive, okay? Um, he wasn't really engaged in the teaching at all. But I really felt the Lord said to me, look, there's a deeper issue and he needs healing. <clears throat> 
And I remember I started to share with him, um, and obviously I needed to be wise because I was there as a, as a teacher. I just started to share with him about, about certain principles of life. Now, if I was going by his face, I would think, look, I'm missing the mark. There's no point me continuing this conversation. But because I was coming from a realm where I knew that the Holy Spirit had spoken to me about him, I knew that the Holy Spirit was doing something. By the end of the conversation, I was able to break through that, those barriers and really get to the core of the issue. And it was really great. He had issues with his father. He had issues with his mom. And it was a real sense of joy in my heart that I was able to get into the core of who he was. Because the reality is, is that the biggest challenge that you face in terms of consistently moving in a healing ministry, and this may sound strange and it's just my personal thought, I don't think it's often the devil. I think it's the realm of the soul. And it's so many times the realm of the soul, how you feel, what you think, what you're conscious of, becomes a hindrance to you developing a healing ministry. So realm is really, really important. The place from which is your datum, it's your launching pad. I'm not launching from the, from the realm of how I feel. I'm launching from a realm where the Holy Spirit has said to me that persons need healing. And, and let me just share this testimony. For those of you who are parents, do you know the incredible thing is that your children or your grandchildren, or your nieces or nephews, provides opportunity for ministering healing. Do you know, um, my, my eldest daughter, she, she has a friend who she's invited over a couple of times. And on one or two occasions, you know, the time when she's invited, it's been a bit inconvenient. But I really felt the Lord just say to me, um, Noel, this, this young girl, she's 18 years of age, Needs healing, needs emotional healing. And it's incredible, you know, she came over the other day and she stayed longer than my daughter had said. But just by being in our house, just by being in the presence where we're praying, we're having worship, you know, she sort of said to my daughter, you know, I don't want to go back home yet. And I was thinking, yeah, but, but the Lord reminded me that my daughter, through friendship, had actually provided an opportunity for someone to be healed. So the reality is when we start thinking about developing a healing ministry, the pulpit is just a small area. Church, organized church, is a very, very small area. The marketplace. You know, I've got so many wonderful stories of, of a ministry God told me to start for myself when I go shopping, you know, um, and, and what I'm trying to say is just trying to ask the Holy Spirit, what are the everyday opportunities that you can provide? So realm is really important. The second thing is rights, okay? Because when you're moving in the spiritual realm, the reason why a seminar, a seminar like this is so important is because you learn more about your rights, you know, when you come into a new country, um, one of the things you've got to learn, sometimes very quickly, what are my rights in this country? Because every territory, every realm has different rights. 
So that is why 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us that we should grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it's important that if you are really serious about moving in a healing ministry, that you commit yourself to actually studying. You know, one of the things that I do and I love doing, I research a lot because I want to know my rights. I want to know what can I do in that realm? What are the things that I'm authorized to do? Because you see, the thing is, is that when you move into the spiritual realm, it's a wonderful place, but it's also a place of incredible discipline. There are people, when you look even in the Old Testament, which was a shadow of things to come, that Eli's sons, when they tried to carry out something spiritual, they carried out something that was illegal and it cost them their lives. So it's important to know, Lord, you know, when I am moving in this realm, this spiritual realm, what are my rights? Okay? What, what am I authorized to do? I might have power, but what am I actually authorized to do? And I think the third one is also huge for me. What's my reason? What are my motives? Do you know, you've, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to God. I'm, I'm a musician and I encourage you, um, there's a great, if you haven't watched it already, there's a great um, little video series by Don Moen. And he, he does a series on worship and in terms of singing and also musicianship. And there's a little video clip about overplaying. I can guarantee you, if you are a musician and you watch that video, you will be convicted because one of the things he talks about is why do you do what you do? Why did you play that chord? Why did you sing that note? Why did you do that rift? Because the, re the, the, the danger is, is that we can be so conscious of the gift of healing or gifts of the spirit that we forget that our motives can cause us to offend God. Let me put it to you this way. When you have an arrow, a bow and arrow in your hand, okay, the Lord equips you with the, with the bow and he equips you with the arrow. But it's your heart that really determines the direction. It's really about your heart. It, it, you know, what's your motive? And sometimes we can be equipped with the skills and the ability to impact people's lives. But because our heart, our motives are not pure, it ends up causing injury instead of edification. So oftentimes, you know, for example, you may be in a service and the Lord says that person needs healing. It might be more appropriate to wait until the service is finished. It might be more appropriate to just say to the person, look, really so disturb you, could you come outside and, and have a quick chat? Because what we've got to realise is that sometimes our administration takes away from the glory that should go to the Lord. So again, sometimes our administration takes away the glory that should go to the Lord. When what you do becomes the focus, be very careful. If I'm leading worship and I'm playing 
and the focus is, my goodness, look at the riffs he's making, look at the chords, something's wrong. If I'm ministering healing and people are more focused on me than the God who heals, something's wrong. So the reason your motives are things that you've constantly got to consider. The last thing in this area that I really want to emphasize, because I think that, I'll be honest with you, I was speaking to um, a young lady yesterday. This is often very difficult to do in practice. It's easy to say in principle, but it's difficult to do in practice. Let me explain this to you. When you are in a meeting like this, um, one of the things that you sense is movements, okay? Now, please hear my heart when I say this because um, sometimes people who minister, we, we say, oh, they're, they're really arrogant and they're really harsh. When I'm ministering healing, I'm very, very sensitive to environment. It could be that someone's phone, phone go off. It could be that someone starts talking, then they couldn't, they shouldn't. It could be that someone throws the bag. We had a situation where in, in our church building that we've, we've got, the, the mechanism on the door had gone. So when the door would close, it'd be bang. And I thought, look, I don't, I don't care how much we've got to spend to get the door fixed. Because when you're in that realm, you have to be so conscious of God and less conscious of other things. And when you get pulled into the natural realm, it can rob you of what God wants to do. So one of the things that you begin to, to pick up is God movements. There's different words. Some people call it unction. Some people call it a promptings. But here is the challenge. Sometimes when people teach about healing, they mention about compassion. And so do I. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Okay. The inference or the implication could be that that was the prime mover for Jesus moving in healing. And it wasn't. Romans 8 tells us that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So one of the qualifying traits of sonship is your ability to be led by the Spirit. Now, there are times when compassion will lead you in contradistinction to what the Spirit is telling you. And it's very difficult in practice. Some years ago, um, as I was walking through Nairobi, I think it was the same year we, God laid on our heart to plant a church. I was walking, we used to always do some prayer walking. We was walking through um, Nairobi and there was an individual who was um, doing an outdoor seminar. I've never seen this before. And he was actually teaching the people how to practice witchcraft. And um, I mean, I, the, my, you might be aware of that, but, and there were, Loads of people gathered around him and he was drawing things on the floor. And I was moved with compassion because I felt that these people were being deceived. These people were being led astray. But I clearly heard when the Holy Spirit said to me, leave it alone. 
but I was moved with compassion. But the Spirit of God said, leave it alone. Okay? There was another time um, a friend invited me to a three-day conference. And while I was in the meeting, um, you know, I just felt this compassion for this lady. I'd never met her before. And I thought, Lord, I just really feel that she's reached a stage in her life where she just needs a breakthrough. She just needs, you know, uh, just a transformation in her life. And I didn't get the green light from the Holy Spirit, but because I felt it, and I know that God works strongly through me in terms of word of knowledge and wisdom. Before I ministered, I got to the platform and I called her out and I prophesied over her and I spoke what God had shown me. Remember, I didn't get the green light from the Spirit. I was moved with compassion. Spoke to her, ministered to her, then went on to preach. And it was a week later, um, the pastor said to me, he said, no, great message. He goes, um, you know the lady that you, you ministered unto, you know, um, goes, what you said was accurate, but do you know that um, she's one of the most divisive people in the church? And um, why pe people were, were, were kind of a bit confused because was this God, was God actually then endorsing <laughs> her character? Now, I'm not saying that God only wants to prophesy over perfect people. But I learned a very important lesson that just because I had insight didn't give me authorization to minister. And it's incredibly difficult for many of you. Many people have been in ministry 20, 30 years. They still struggle because they believe that insight is an endorsement to engage. It's not. It is the movement of the spirit. And I can give you another example how there are times when the Spirit of God has you to engage healing in someone you have no compassion for at all. Yeah? So, God's way will often be that you just feel this movement in your spirit. But it can be both. It can be that you sense compassion and you sense that movement. You sense the green light of the Spirit to engage. Because the reality is, Whenever the Spirit of God leads you, he has prepared that person for you. Whether they are conscious of it or there's something going on with them, God has gone ahead of you and he has prepared that person for you. So I hope that's really helpful because what I really want to do is um, I want to hit a lot of stuff today. Um, I know yesterday I took uh, questions kind of in the middle, but I want to do them at the end. Because I really want us to pray together at the end. And I was sharing with a sister today that one of the graces of my life is activation. Um, my background is engineering. So I'm always thinking about how things are going to work. I, I don't mind theory, you know, but I want to know how things are going to work. And I want to see things activated in your life, yeah? Okay. So um, we want to look at some of the key principles for walking in a healing ministry. Um, we want to look at the awareness of when healing is possible, okay? Developing a God consciousness, an awareness when healing is possible. And to be able to discern types of healing, okay? And we'll elaborate a bit on this more. 
So, loved ones, please, if you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 9. It says here, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Can you say that with me, please? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. I want to make some key points here, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. It's very interesting that the gifts of healings, one of the definitions for any of the gifts is the manifestation of the Spirit. There's different words and different phrases we can use to call the gifts that come from the Lord. But these gifts, they are actually one of the translations according to Scripture, is the manifestation of the Spirit. So whenever you move in healing and someone is healed, it is the manifestation of the Spirit. It's so crucial that we understand this, that whenever he's manifested in this realm, it's his work, it's him manifested. So how can we live a life that the Spirit of God feels comfortable in manifesting. Every time we pray, every time we move in in, in His name, every time we stand, every time we preach, every time we sing, what could we do on earth that would guarantee the manifestation of the Spirit? That's the gold standard. Amen? So, let's dig into this a bit more. I'm really excited about today. So, There are gifts of healings. There are working of miracles. And the word of wisdom. Now, it's really important because what you may find is that those groupings will often work together. We'll unpack them a little bit more. But you will often find that the gifts of healings also work together with the working of miracles and also the word of wisdom. I really want to just whet your appetite before we dig into this, that wisdom is often the supernatural key for an effective healing ministry. Because the Bible tells us that there is a wisdom of this world and there's a wisdom that comes from the Father. And oftentimes, you know, um, if you just turn to the book of James, I didn't plan to... um, share this um, but I just felt it would be really um, useful if my iPad works quickly Um, turn to James 3 if you can please now the reason why this is so important is because the wisdom of God is God He's his own counsel. (laughs) He's his his own mentor. Okay? So, the Bible says that the way in which you can often discern God's wisdom, in other words, the right application of knowledge, I call it the James 3 lens. 
if there are major things that I need to do, I put it through this lens. Okay, let's read very quickly from verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. So there's a humility. There's an approach of humility that is important when we approach healing. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. In other words, it's really important in the realm of healing that your heart is clear. You know, sometimes, you know, stories go around about, yeah, you know, I don't want to lay hands on someone because what's on them may come on me and, you know, demons may come and come back to my home and all that kind of stuff. The reality is, is that, remember what we talked about, the realm. Because you're moving in the realm of the spirit, it is important that there is no legal access to the enemy. I can, my wife will tell you, or the leaders that I've trained for many years will tell you, the thing I pray more than anything about is my heart. I can't afford my heart to have bitterness, envy, unforgiveness, because things do happen. Things happen in our family. Things happen in church. Things happen amongst friends. Because I understand that in that realm, the enemy would love the legal right to give me a good whooping after I've ministered to someone, okay? So it says, this wisdom, verse 15, listen to this loved one, this wisdom does not descend from above. So remember what I said yesterday about being born again, we are born from above, we're born from another realm. It says, when, when you want to move in healing, be careful, because what you're fighting against is the wisdom of this age. The, the world's way of doing things, the world's way of thinking. And that wants to fight against you. But James says, be aware, this wisdom is not coming from God. Okay? Look at verse um, 15 again. But is, and this is strong words, listen to this. But is earthly, sensual, and I didn't put this in the Bible, demonic. That's strong, isn't it? So it says that Satan is directly in opposition to you when you want to move in God's wisdom. And the core of it is that it's sensual. It's all about feeling. And he actually says it's actually earthly. It's, it's, it's limited, but it's actually demonic. Now, let me give an example. When Peter said to Jesus, you shall not die. In fact, he said to Jesus, this shall not happen. Now, let me give you an example. There's a difference when you say to someone, you know, that the Lord's clearly told me that, you know, my, my mother is going to be healed. And they say to you, how is it going to happen? There's a difference when the person says it will not happen. Please hear me carefully. Because the Lord's response to Peter wasn't, the same response he had to Mary when Mary said how is this going to happen Jesus said to Peter get thee behind me Satan because Jesus recognized it was coming from a realm that was earthly that was sensual and it was demonic and Jesus emphasized he said you know why this is demonic because you do not seek the things of God 
but the things that be of men. And we have to be so careful that we don't allow men in its generic sense to stop us from moving in the realm of the spirit. Okay? So let's look at verse 17. This is really this has helped me over 20 years. But the wisdom that is from above, the, the wisdom that's from the realm of the spirit is first pure. I just love that. Lord, if, if you're telling me that you want to heal this person and this is your way of doing things, it must be pure. It must be peaceable. It mustn't cause confusion. It mustn't cause confusion. There's a, uh, a man of God that I know whose um, uh, family member was, was quite, uh, I think was diagnosed as being autistic. And there was an opportunity for them to receive, um, you know, extracurricular teaching and activities. And his, another family member said, no, we are a people of faith and we're not going to take him anywhere. We're not going to take him to any classes. We're not going to have um, any specialist teaching. We're going to stand in faith. And it was about five or ten years later when they realised that the boy was being impaired and held back. It caused confusion, it caused division in the family that they finally recognised that God's wisdom was for him to get support through extra teaching. But yet they were adamant that the wisdom of God was that God's going to heal him without any intervention of any teacher, any specialist teaching, nothing. And they left that boy there. Heartbreaking. Caused confusion. And that's what I'm saying. When we talk about developing a healing ministry, there's other things we can touch on. But for me, James 3.17 is my datum. Lord, is this first pure? Is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Am I trying to force it to happen? Is it full of mercy, good fruits? Is it without partiality? Is it just because I want this person to like me? Is it going to give me credibility? It's without, it's without hypocrisy. I'm not being two-faced. But when I see it, I can see that this is an opportunity for God to be glorified. Just say this to me. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to know your wisdom. Hallelujah. So the Bible clearly tells us there are various gifts of healings various gifts of healings and because of this we know that healing therefore is a biblical promise and every promise has to be based on a biblical principle now Holy Spirit's leading me in a completely different way Imagine if I said to you, um, come in here today and sit on the chair, but the chair had no legs. You'd think, how am I going to sit on the chair? Do I then sit on the floor? And something would seem a little bit abnormal. But every time you come to this seminar, I'm saying, look, come and sit on the chair, but it's got no legs. That is how irregular it is to preach promise without principles. I can teach you, and many of you could teach about healing, 
But if you don't teach the principles, what happens, what you build will not last. It will just collapse. It can't be sustained. It will seem abnormal. And it's the same issue you could also say we've had with teachings about finance. That oftentimes we've taught the promise, but not the biblical principles. Because the reality is, without a pure heart, (laughs) these promises become something that would do more damage to us than a blessing to us, okay? So the reality is the principle of healing is that it is a manifestation of the Spirit. All healing must be an administration of the Spirit. I can't emphasize that enough. All healing must be an administration of the Spirit. Randomende. All healing all healing. As we sit here and we we have people that are not well or situations in their life, recognize that the principal prime mover, the truth, is that it is the Holy Spirit that is doing the work. Amen? Healing is often, for us, with our limited understanding, it is based on the premise of God's word. The premise of God's word. So you won't find the spirit contradicting the word. Okay? You won't find the spirit of God contradicting God's word. Because he inspired it. (laughs) Amen. So, because we know that healing is a promised provision... It is only guaranteed on the premise of God's specific wisdom. Now let me explain this to you. And it's really difficult and I'm not saying everyone agrees with this. But I'm hoping that my heart and and my interpretation will help. The Bible clearly tells us that healing is part of the atonement. The Bible clearly tells us that healing is one of the traits of God's kingdom and kingdom people. It's part of the divine nature. But the only time in a specific way that you can guarantee that someone will be healed is when God has revealed to you his specific wisdom. His specific wisdom. Let me put it to you this way. Most of us, when we are taught about the word, we're taught about the logos, we're taught about the rhema. One of the incredible things about the rhema word, the situational word, is that it takes what is spoken generally and provides you with specific wisdom. Specific wisdom. I've had some wonderful people in my life. Uh, I remember a a lady called Joan Norton who was a Salvation Army uh, leader. Worked with her for many years. Incredible woman of God. And we did a meeting together. It was a Global Day of Prayer. We did a meeting together. I think it was on the Sunday. And I think we met the Tuesday again. And by, I think it was Tuesday night, she she collapsed um, with a brain aneurysm. And I remember... um, 
going to the hospital to pray for her and I remember speaking to her husband and her husband said, Noel, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. He goes, look, if it's not God's wisdom to heal her, I'm asking God to take her. I can't sit in hospital and see my wife suffering. And we prayed exactly that. A few days later, she went on to be with glory. There are times when God's specific wisdom is saying, I want them. It doesn't mean I create a ministry out of it. It doesn't mean I create a doctrine necessary out of it. But I've got to know God's specific wisdom in that situation. If you try, don't get me wrong, the goal is always God's general desire. A, a simple one is that the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, it's not God's desire that any should perish. Are people perishing? Talk to me, are people perishing? But it's not God's desire that any should perish. Okay? But we know in there are certain specific situations then through the actions of men, they are perishing. So the reality is, is that we need God's specific wisdom. Okay? The vision for you as administrators of healing is that you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's the gold standard. Don't try and rationalize all the other stuff. Others said yesterday, go for gold. And if God's wisdom says different, then you say, okay, Lord, let your will be done in this situation. But I am still going to be a believer that when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Don't change your narrative. I know it sounds like it's a bit of a paradox, but what God is trying to say to you, this is the overarching truth that as believers, we lay hands on the sick and they will recover but recognize that my specific wisdom is the thing that will orchestrate and legislate what actually happens in everyday practice. Because the Lord is ultimately working with you and he's confirming the word through signs. He's confirming what he spoke. He's confirming. Now notice the word confirming. It didn't say creating. Holy Spirit. Have you ever walked into a situation and you find that what God has done is just confirmed? He didn't create. He just confirmed. And when you look back in your life, you realise that God had been putting stuff in your spirit for years. It's just that you entered into a situation, into a realm where it's now confirmed. And confirmation often comes with revelation. Revelation doesn't mean that God go, goes out and creates something. He just reveals to you what was always there. And the wonderful thing about when someone is healed, God is saying, well, I'm just confirming that I healed them already. You are just helping it to be seen. Let me give you another example. We're in a time of worship. Like today, I mean, I'm going to 
I don't know, I might talk and worship later because something happened today in that worship service. And um, we say, God is here. But what happened was that the worship experience just heightened our awareness of God. It didn't create God. <laughs> but what happens with an heightened awareness, it actually just confirmed that he's with us. And what you're going to find over the next 12 months is the Holy Spirit confirming what he's already done. And that makes life easy because then you walk into things that he's prepared and all you need is the confirmation. Someone say glory to God. Hallelujah. So, wow. <laughs> so I asked the question, how can I know if I have a healing ministry? I think it's very simple. I just said I try and keep my theology very simple. What are you moved within for? What moves you? What moves you? Do, do, do broken people move you? Do hurting people move you? Do, do mentally ill move you? Do families torn apart move you? Do, do young children troubled move you? I remember some years ago, um, I had an opportunity to do school assemblies and I was so excited because I wanted... I thought the Lord was going to open up doors in the secondary school. And the head teacher for the primary school said to me, yes, no, we'll, we'll have you come in. I was like, oh, man, little kiddies up to the age of 11. And um, she said to me, I don't know if she was a believer, she said, no, well, you have no idea of how important it is to sow seeds into children of that age. And she started to give me anecdotes about a child who was 10 who was literally running the playground because he had a brother who was involved in a gang. And she said, Noel, if you've got an opportunity to bring life and hope and principles into this child, by the time they get to secondary school, they'll have a better chance. And something moved in me. Just moved. It was like, that's it. And we started doing assemblies in there. We started speaking into their lives and doing music and doing plays, etc. So what are you moved for? Just ask yourself that. If you're not moved, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe there's other areas. But what do you really feel moved for? Okay. So let's look at a couple of things in that realm. The question was asked, do all have gifts of healings? So this is not, even though every believer can pray for the sick and be healed, the suggestion is that not every believer has the gifts of healings, okay? So he asked the question, does everyone have the gifts of healing and do all possess extraordinary powers of healings? Question is no. So the reality is there are all types of healing. I feel very strongly in this very room. There are all types of healing. Don't limit yourself because you're looking at someone, as I said yesterday, who may be ministering in the physical realm, you know, broken bones, grown, you know, extended arms or whatever. Recognize there are all types of healings. And we've got to be able to move in that. So there are physical realms. There are clearly people who are 
anointed in that respect to minister physical healing. There are people who are anointed to minister in the emotional realm. And I'm so pleased that the body of Christ has been much more educated because I've heard people from the pulpit innocently, you know, belittle people who are called to be counsellors and say, look, you know, no, we don't need counselling. They just need demons cast out. Um, I want to say to you, maybe it's my teacher head. Do you know that the majority of Jesus' ministry was teaching? And can I even be more controversial? Telling stories. (laughs) Telling stories. And it's incredible because studies show um, that between the ages of sort of naught and five, one of the most powerful ways to bring therapy to young children is to tell stories. So the reality is, is that Jesus on earth knew that Israel was a troubled nation. They were a oppressed nation. And he would tell stories. The word, it's very interesting, the word, one of the Greek words for healing is the Greek word therapeo, where we get the word therapy from. So the reality is, is that some of us are called with a healing ministry in the area of therapy. Therapy. I, I, I don't know, yeah, I'm going to say that some of you may need to start looking at the whole realm of counselling because you have a natural gift to speak to people and empathise with people. Okay? And don't think it's less powerful or effective than someone who can pray for the lame and see them walk. Psychological. So we have people who are psychotherapists, people who really understand the mind, people who know how to... You know, one of the most powerful ways to, to, to minister to the mind is through music. It's incredible because so many people, they, they sleep, but they don't really rest. And you'll often find that sometimes you'll put music on through the night and you wake up in the morning, you feel better, or you'll put the Bible on because it becomes a, a way in which to renew the mind. Preaching and teaching is actually psychological healing. Yes, it is. So, and there are people who bring healing, what I call direct, all things are spiritual, but more spiritually, spiritual administration. So these are people that may be involved in praying for people, fasting for people, directly laying hands on people, people who feel troubled in that area. Also people who move in what I call deliverance. Because it's incredible, and I haven't got time to look at it today. Whenever you see, 90% of the time where it talks about healing in the Lord's ministry, it mentions deliverance. Because deliverance is a form of spiritual healing. And it shouldn't be something that we are embarrassed about. We all need deliverance. Hello? We all need deliverance. There are times we need different measures of deliverance. I can guarantee you there are times I come into an atmosphere and at the end of that worship service or prayer service, I know something's lifted from me. 
Now, if you had told me before, do you need deliverance? I'd probably say, no, I'm fine. But I know that at the end of it, something was broken. Something was shifted from my mental capacity or mental realm. And I feel light and I feel energized because it is a form of healing. So the reality is, is that there are five useful indicators when healing is possible. Okay, and, and I hope that these are helpful. Number one, as I said yesterday, when the message of the kingdom is being preached. When the message of the kingdom is being preached. That's an indicator. But one of the most basic ones, and it sounds very simple, but I call it the James 5.14 model. If there are any that are among you sick, let him call. Ask. Just ask. Yeah, but I thought the Lord was going to speak to the preacher and he was going to say someone with a back problem or a headache. You're limiting God. Because you're saying, God, the only way that I'm going to receive healing is if in the middle of 200 people, the Lord specifically calls me out and then I'm not. No, ask. And, and James is actually producing an image of a church setting. If any that are sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. So don't be afraid to ask. So when someone asks, that's an indicator that healing is possible because the fact that they've asked, it means that they're willing. Luke 5.17, do you mind just um, turning to that? Because I think that's an important one for us just to look at in a little bit more detail. Luke 5.17. Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was what? Teaching. Yes, I am biased for teachers, sorry. But I just, I couldn't resist that one. When he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who would come out of every town. Can you imagine? Every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, once again, loved ones, I wish, and I'm not trying to, put myself on a pedestal but I wish there was an easier way that I could say that we learn this let me use the worship model again so we're in a great time of worship everyone is just flat out on the Lord flat out on the floor and you sense the glory of God and I'm moderating and I say do you know what the power of God is here Everyone come out, who's, everyone who's not well in body, come out to be healed. And they, come, they all come out and everyone's healed. And next week, I sense the presence of God again. You know, Marilyn's crying, she's on the floor. You know, Nicholas is rolling on the floor from side to side. Glory of God. And I said, you know what, everyone, every single person here who is not well in body, come out to be healed. Here's the truth. We must discern what the power of the Lord is present to do. If you get nothing else, please get this. We must discern what the power of the Lord is present to do. And to be honest, I don't know any other way than just to learn it. <laughs> 
you just learn it. You just, it, it, it's something you learn. Because the danger is, is that every time you feel the presence of God, you can assume that it's always present to do this. We learned this lesson. Um, for the last three years, we, we've, we've challenged our church in terms of worship experience. We, we've said we are no longer going to tolerate anyone coming to church and not encountering Jesus. And we learned that there are times when the Holy Spirit, when the worship is such a height that we would normally then go, altar call. And we've just said, no, let's just wait. And sometimes we've just had the whole service just worship, nothing else. Because what the Lord was present to do was to point the whole church to him. And that was it. It wasn't about me jumping out and getting deliverance, even though that's important. It wasn't about the person with arthritis getting healed, even though that's important. What the Lord was present to do was to show us him and to focus on him. And it sounds really boring, but that was the focus. And it was amazing. But if we don't discern what the power of the Lord is present to do, we can always be trying to force the issue. So what am I saying? There are times when you will discern when healing, when the Lord is present to heal. Even though you've got compassion for healing, wait for the presence to confirm it. Because if the presence isn't there, just wait. It might come at the end of service. It might come when you're in the, in, in the bathroom. And as you've just finished washing your hands, someone comes in and says, can I speak to you? Can, can I take your number? And the Lord, discern what is the power of the Lord present to do. Okay? When we discern his intention, you will get God's participation. Yeah? God will always participate when we link in with his will. Also, St. John 5, 17 to 20, we touched on this yesterday. What is the work of the Father? Where is the work of the Father? That's what I want to find. You know, it's like, you know, I've got my radar up and I said, Lord, where are you working? Where, where are you working? Oh, you're working, right. You're working over there. Let me just come and partner. Where is the work of the Father? Because that's what Jesus did. He just discerned where he saw his Father working and just partnered with his Father. He carried out what he saw his Father doing. Where is the Father working? Sometimes you'll be in a meeting and someone just steps into the meeting and you just know, you just know Father's working with them. You just know it. And your responsibility is just to partner with God and say, okay, God, you're already working. Let me just, let me just collaborate with what you're doing. Maybe the most common way is when you sense a healing anointing come upon you. Now, once again, I don't want to be too prescriptive because it's different for everyone, okay? The first time I recognized a healing anointing was many years ago. I remember I was sitting in um, a meeting in Plasto, East London, and my hands started to burn, just really hot. I thought, that's strange. Then my feet started to burn. And it was only... When it started to happen, you know, it became a regular occurrence, I realised that for me, that was one of the indicators, okay? 
Now, as I said, I don't want to be too prescriptive, but sometimes, you know, you might find, you know, your feet start tapping, like you're doing tap dancing, or you feel a heat come on, you think, what is this? <laughs> What's going on? And then Lord said, okay, go and bring healing to that person. You, you will know and you will learn the indicators for you, okay? What are the indicators for you? I know, for me, you know, I, I also have triggers, which we'll, 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 we'll talk about, but the worship was so powerful today, at the end of it, I went over to the piano. It was so funny because the piano didn't work, but I was still playing and there was no noise coming out because it was a trigger. Something happened in the spiritual realm and it was like, that's it. I can't, I mean, I, you know, we had dismissed the service. I said, Lord, this, there's an overflow here. I've, I've got to tap in and receive what you want. So you, you get to know what the triggers are in your own life. So, some nuggets, I hope. Number one, healing by the word of wisdom. Sometimes it will simply be, and, and this is incredible, there are times when the Lord, I remember about 10 years ago, um, the Lord said to me, um, don't eat butter for a season. Now, I don't know how I can eat bread without butter. And being from the Caribbean, we have this thing called hardo bread. <laughs> you can't eat hardo bread without butter. But the Lord said, don't eat it. And you know the incredible thing is that during that time, I was getting some chest pain. Didn't know why, so exercise, whatever. Totally went away. <coughs> totally went away. So there are times people can be healed by word of wisdom. And throughout my life, there's been little things he's just said to me. Ask my wife. I just say, yeah. She goes, I thought you used to eat that. Yeah, I'm not eating it anymore. He would just say to me, and guarantee health-wise, I'll feel 100% better. And then when you read up on it, it's like, oh, slopping all that butter with the bullet cake. And, do you, know, you guys know what bullet cake Sorry, sorry. Sorry. You might have to edit that one. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. Um, but you can be healed <laughs> by word of wisdom just by obeying you know, there's no difference when the Lord says, look, go and wash in the river seven times. Healing by word of wisdom. There might be something you're eating. You're saying, God, I, I want to be, just stop eating certain things. And he says, that's what I want you to stop eating. You know, I, I remember um, a member of my family. And, you know, you've got to be careful when you talk to family. You don't want to offend family. And, and I'll be honest with you, Caribbean people, we're not, haven't got the tact. They'll just say, how you look, sir? And, and um, I remember, I saw a member of my family, and they, they looked a bit pouchy, right? They looked a bit pouchy. And I said to them, I said, um, how are you doing? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, um, do you drink a lot of milk? I said, yeah, I, I have milk. I love cereal. I said, do you know what? Um, just cut down on the milk. I knew it was a word of wisdom. Within a few weeks, the, that family member came back and said, they looked different. They looked healthy and said, yeah, I've come off that dairy stuff, you know, and in fact, I'm only using almond and soya now. And before they would have said, no, I'm not having it, I don't want it. Word of wisdom. Improve their health. 
just through word of wisdom. So sometimes we, we, we underestimate the power of the word of wisdom. And I, can, I challenge you, use it with your children, use it with your husband, your wives, your auntie, your family, because God wants us to be in health. Yeah? This is the word of wisdom for someone. Stop eating after 10 and see the difference. Yeah? Yeah? I don't know who it's for. Because the thing is, you're asking yourself, why am I putting on weight when I'm not eating more? You're just eating at the wrong time. Send me a text, yeah? With a picture of you now and a picture of you last time. Okay, very quickly. Healing by the laying on of hands. Um, it is one of the ways, it's not the only way, but impartation does take place through hands. We know that scripturally and biblically it, it was the hands that were used in the sacrificial system. And we know that it's a way in which God brings healing to the physical realm of, of, of people's bodies and then the and oft, sometimes the emotional realm. So, yes, use the, 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 the laying on of hands. Healing by declaring a word. Now, sometimes it is about, and this can happen in prayer, just speaking a word. Just saying, the name of Jesus, you're healed. You don't even need to lay hands. You just say, in the name of Jesus, I come in agreement with you, that with and by stripes you are healed. And that's it. Don't try and add, don't try and just declare the word. We know the story of the centurion's servant, where he just spoke the word. Just declare the word. Jesus wants to make ministry easy. So just speak the word. I've touched on this a lot. Healing by creating atmosphere. I realized that after a few trips abroad, that if I didn't find other ways in which God, I could partner with God for healing, I would be burnt out. Because you know, when you travel, particularly when you travel to India and Africa, you know, everyone wants you to lay hands on them. Every person wants you to lay hands on them. And I made a decision about over a decade ago is that I was going to teach people how to create atmospheres. And sometimes the pastors were not happy because they said, oh, you know, they want you to lay hands on them. I said, no, let's create atmosphere. Let's create an atmosphere where the Lord is so close to people that whether they like it or not, they will encounter him. And I honestly believe that we've got to move away from in an individual providing healing to realizing that there's a flow of healing that must flow through the entire body of Christ. That is what makes it amazing. And I honestly believe that we are in that realm where we need to create atmospheres. We need to have heaven on earth. We need it to be so intense that people don't leave the way they came. You know, that, that, that's the standard, as, as, uh, as our team was sharing today. That's the gold standard. That's what we want. We want people to be healed in an atmosphere of love and inclusion. A couple of things. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single one of you now got a word of wisdom about your personal healing or about someone in your family? Wouldn't that be amazing? You could actually take it, you know, they might not have lunch, but 
you could take it and say, look, this is what God said. And I know in my spirit, he said, when you do this, you are going to be healed. Okay. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could move and, and, and start laying hands as you are inspired by the Holy Spirit and moved with compassion and impact the lives of individuals? Wouldn't it be incredible, irrespective of time or space, that you could sit right here and release a word of healing over someone who could be in another country or maybe someone who couldn't make this retreat, but they are encountered by God? I honestly want to just say this to you as we pray. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What brings the Lord pleasure is seeing his people know their rights and seeing his people behave like him. That's what we were created for. We were created for his pleasure. But we need his presence. Many of you know that the, the Hebrew word for presence, panim, is the same word for face. So if we don't seek his face, if we're going to struggle to find his presence. But wherever we allow the Lord's face to be manifested, we will see his presence. Could you stand with me? We're going to pray and then I'll take a few questions. Father, let's all pray. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word. The entrance of your word brings light. Lord, we pray that we will grow and develop in our healing ministry. Lord, help us to be partakers of the divine nature. Help us, Lord, to discover the exciting possibilities of that realm. Lord, may your kingdom come and be manifested like never before in our lives. And Lord, may we embrace the gifts of healings in our lives. Whatever they may be, regardless of how diverse they may be. Whoa, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will see signs and wonders and may they bring glory to your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I'm open to take a few um, questions. Oh, can you do me a favor? You've been asking me all these questions. I need a favor from you. Could you just sing for me, just for anything? I know, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Just sing something, whatever, just a worship song. It's something I've got to do before I take the question. We call out to dragons, come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. Yes, Lord. Come 
Lord, I just thank you so much for your servant, Lord. Thank you for her servant heart. Lord, I thank you that in this season, Lord, healing is going to flow through her life to many, many people. I thank you, Lord, specifically in the realm of troubled hearts and minds. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, Father, as you bring her word of knowledge and wisdom, that Father God shall act on it with confidence and with boldness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. Lord, I just thank you. Do you mind standing? Oh, bless you. Um, I, I know that you did um, a workshop recently. My wife said it was it's amazing. Um, however, I really do feel that there's more to it. I really feel that what God is going to do and has already started, so to speak, is to bring about programs that help particularly women to feel better about themselves. That sometimes there are women who don't feel that they're attractive, they don't feel they have worth, they don't feel that they have value. And I just believe that through the skills and, and, and the entrepreneurship that, that, that is in your life, that God will just use these sessions to be, yes, externally it's about beauty, but I really feel that God's going to challenge you to bring that beauty, uh, that, that realisation of beauty within. And, and, I, and I, really, I just really feel that already it's something you're moved about when, when you see women who, who feel that, that they, they don't look good, they don't feel good. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you will just activate, Lord, this, 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 these gifts of healing in this wonderful woman's life, Lord, as her husband stands with her. I pray, Lord, for uh, creativity, Lord, that there will just be an openness to, to know when you want her to do it and how you want her to do it. Lord, may the lives of specifically women be transformed by them receiving a revelation of who they are in Christ and that they are part of God's beautiful creation in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Bless your name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Glory to God. Yes, Jesus. Breathe. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord God. Father God, I just pray that this precious woman of God, that you will just fill her heart and spirit, Lord, with a passion for the broken. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will give her word of wisdom. Father, I pray that there will be an openness, Lord, that when she speaks that people won't feel 
that she's been arrogant or she's prying, but I just pray, Father God, that she will, out of love and compassion, be able to minister to people and bring words of healing to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. One more time. Breathe. Breathe in the breath of God. Oh. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I can take your question now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. So I was just wondering, do you go ahead and pray for people, and then if nothing happens, then seek God's wisdom? At what point do you say, before I pray for healing, I'm going to say, or you ask me to pray? I'm not sure. I just want to understand at what point do you ask for the wisdom for that person, for that individual? That's a really good question. I think it, for me personally, I, I always start from the perspective of the gold standard. Um, reason being, if I start from any other point, it could be an area of doubt. So if I start from the point of, well, they're not going to be healed, or maybe God doesn't want to heal, um, I, I don't often find it useful. But I always start from the gold standard, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Um, if it appears, um, and this is dangerous because when I say it may appear, I'm talking about my perspective. But if I feel that the, the Lord is saying to me, look, no, this is my wisdom for this situation, then what I will tend to do is adjust what I pray. Um, so sometimes I've gone from the realm of praying for someone to be healed and sometimes God has spoken to me now, and I often pray about their soul. I said, Lord, make sure they're ready to meet you. You know, Lord, please make sure that they're at peace, um, that there's no unforgiveness in their heart. So it's moved from like praying for um, complete healing to healing, but in a different way, healing of the soul. Um, and that's the thing as well that, when we pray for someone to be healed, um, the Lord administers it in the most appropriate way. It can seem like a cop-out, but if I'm praying for someone to be healed and the Lord sees that the most important need is their soul, he will bring healing to the soul. I might be upset that they still passed away, but what God said at that particular moment, what needed to be healed was their heart and their mind. So, um, yeah, it's just about making sure that I always start from the gold standard, but being open. If God does adjust my prayer, I'm saying, okay, it's fine. Yeah. Any other questions? Don't feel shy. Uh, there is a very strong anointing in here, and I know that we've only got a few minutes before we go to um, lunch, but I'm going to ask you guys to actually pray for each other. Um, I know we're not always necessarily in twos, but 
I've often found that, that partnership really helps. Because when you leave here, and when you leave this conference, and you're faced with issues, what I call in the marketplace, it can be tough. You know, it, it can be tough. And sometimes just remembering that someone is praying for you and standing with you is, is so important. So maybe um, someone next to you, just, just begin to pray. And just bless them. Just say, Lord, you know, whatever um, healing ministry that they may have, whatever you're doing in their heart, Lord, we're just asking you to, to, to bless them and to strengthen them. Yeah? So why don't we just do that?